Episode 30 of the Shock Jacknicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk. Another interesting week for the Knicks. A lot to get to on the show. A lot of rumors going around. I mean, this is the time of the year where you are starting to really get a feeling uh, of different things around the NBA as far as trades, as far as rumors. Again, in the NBA, it's always tough. You know, a lot of these things you have to take with a grain of salt. We'll try to dive into some of the Knicks news from around the league, and we'll get into the last week of Knicks hoops as well. I guess we'll lead off there. We'll lead off with the last week of Nick performances, and yeah, there was a win in there. That's the good news. The bad news was that there were three losses, uh, pretty bad losses in there throughout the week as well. It was good to see Marcus Morris kind of get back into the groove. Had a couple of decent performances over the week. I thought Julius Randle had a couple of nice performances as well. We'll get to that in just a second as well. A couple headlines have to get to on the show as well. A couple of trade rumors. We'll dive into something that Frank Nilakina got into earlier in the day of recording as well. And a couple of interesting other, a couple of other interesting headlines that I keep running through here. Uh, as well that I want to dive into also. All right, let's with the Knicks first. Suns game was one that I actually missed. Had to go back and watch a lot of the game after it was over and was watching some of the highlights again before I started recording the show. Wasn't able to get to watching the game. and I'm kind of glad I missed the game. Uh, this is one of the few games I've missed so far this season. Uh, as far as being able to watch it live, well, I, I think I listened to about maybe maybe a quarter on the radio and then had to go into work. So uh, I wasn't able to get into a lot of this game. Um, the first half, uh, from what I listened to, again, I listened to the first quarter and that was about it. The first quarter was was pretty strong from the Knicks and then it was about as downhill as you might expect from there, Knicks got outscored by 13 in the second quarter, got outscored by 5 in the third, and got outscored by 12 again in the fourth. Uh, Devin Booker, again, had another huge game against the Knicks. And I remember you know, watching some of the highlights back, watching a good portion of the game back as well on DVR, and then you go through the the stat line after that, and oh my goodness, I mean, Ricky Rubio... The fact that Ricky Rubio is dropping 25 and 13, four steals, eight, eight what, what didn't Ricky Rubio do in this game? Holy smokes. He's not that good of a player. He's a good player, but he's not that good. Holy smoke. He was looking like Magic Johnson out there at times. It was unbelievable how good the Knicks made him look. Uh, I also thought that DeAndre Ayton, you could argue this, you know, one of his best games, one of his best games maybe. Uh, of his NBA career. I, I can't remember a, a stat line that I've seen from him that's been this good in a while. 26 points, 21 rebounds. Holy bleep. 21 rebounds. Uh, and two blocks. Two assists as well for whatever that's worth. The Knicks had no answer for him. Absolutely no answer for this guy. And this is a guy that's still developing. You know, Keep that in mind as well. This guy was the number one overall pick a couple of years ago. And he's really starting to flourish a little bit but th- those three guys I mean Devin Booker at 29 he had his usual strong night those three guys alone you know took down the Knicks on this night Knicks defensively weren't good 
Uh, besides Julius Randle, I mean, Julius Randle had a monster night, at least scoring the basketball. He had a few other, uh, you know, he had a couple steals, had some assists. A little low on the rebounds, I thought. I think he only had seven or eight, maybe only six rebounds for Julius Randle. That really not good there. Uh, and I thought Marcus Morris, despite shooting uh, 4 of 11 from the field, 17 points, you know, 7 of the 17 were from the free throw line, didn't do a whole lot else on the floor. I thought he was really, you know, for again, bringing the scoring output, he didn't really do a whole lot else on the floor. And for a guy that you, you expect to have a lot of the workload, that was not enough from him in this game. And other than that, I mean, we're looking at really bad performances here. Uh, I thought the rest of the starting five were terrible. Taj Gibson reverted back to his old Taj Gibson ways over 13 minutes. Terrible game uh, uh, as far as um, the bench was concerned. I thought Bobby Portis gave you just about nothing offensively. Got 10 rebounds. That was about it. Better game for Mitchell Robinson. 12-8, 3 steals, 2 blocks. That's more like what you're looking for from him. Terrible game. Uh, I, I thought from Frank Nilakina, I thought Devin D- uh, Devon Dotson was not that great either. Um, and I, I really thought, you know, I, I was looking for more out of RJ Baird, although he only played 14 minutes. Uh, really disappointing effort from the Knicks. Knicks shot uh, 8 of 26 from 3. Knicks missed 8 free throws like it would have mattered anyway. But the, the big number, Knicks were minus 13 on the glass. Minus 13 on the glass, I mean, they're just not going to get it done, and the Knicks also only, uh, in this game, had 18 turnovers, I mean, again, now Phoenix, to be fair, had 19, but they also, (laughs) you know, they were also able to do a little bit more with some of those possessions, so again, not nearly good enough uh, from the Knicks in this game, I mean, I I, I talk about it more, but I didn't get a chance to dive into it as much as I normally get to with some of these, but it's all, you know, the the performance speaks for itself. It, it reverted back to performances we saw earlier on in the Mike Miller era and earlier on in the David Fisdale era as well. I mean, this this was a game that the Knicks basically threw away in the second quarter and never recovered. And defensively, they, they were not on it. I mean, there were games earlier in the Mike Miller era where you could say, hey, you know, the, the Knicks were on it in this game. They were they weren't up for it. They were not up for it, and then and then you know it gets compounded with another another game against the Sixers, where the Knicks easily could have won the game, easily could have won the game, and it's one of those things where Philly. I'm telling you right now, Philly is extremely overrated. They are not that good of a team. They're they're a good team as far as the East is concerned. This team's not winning an NBA championship. I'm telling you that right now. I I keep seeing them. Not only against the Knicks, but you know some of the TNT games they've had this year, they are—they're not that good. I, everyone hypes that been hyping them up for the last couple of years. I mean, Al Horford's been terrible for them. I, defensively, he's been good, but he's been good at times, I should say. But I mean, in this game, I mean, Al Horford did nothing for the Sixers. He was really bad. I mean, barely made an impact in the game. Now, the bench gave you, I believe the bench gave them 27 points. Josh Richardson had 18 points uh, for the Sixers in 34 minutes. Uh, ben Simmons really carried the load. Now, now listen, keep in mind, obviously, Joel Embiid didn't play in this game. That's obviously a big deal for the Sixers. And that makes, maybe you could say, well, that makes them 
you know, they could win without Joel Embiid. But they're playing the Knicks. Keep that in mind. You keep in mind who they're actually playing. And also keep in mind, when, when they were healthy earlier this year, Philly was lucky to get out of the garden with a win. So, you know, come on. I'm not having it with this team right now. And Tobias Harris, uh, holy smokes. They chose the wrong guy. They should have brought back Jimmy Butler. I I know there was a locker room spat and guys weren't getting along. But Tobias Harris is not giving you enough night in and night out at times for this Sixers team. 15 points on 13 shots from the field. I, I mean, Ben Simmons, 21 points. Eight assists, two steals, seven rebounds. I mean, they needed every bit of that to have a chance to win this game. Knicks, you know, really kind of recovered in the third quarter from a two pretty tight quarters. You know, for, I thought the first half was pretty tight. Knicks hung around in the first half, and, the, and then they kind of took control a little bit in the third, and then it was just back and forth in the fourth, and Philly made the plays down the stretch. And again, Philly got lucky here. They really did. They missed seven free throws. They shot only 31% from deep. They were lucky the Knicks only shot 24% from deep. Knicks also missed seven free throws. And, and it was really tight as far as field goal percentage as well. I just I just think that the Sixers, they're going to have a lot of trouble in the playoffs. When, when it comes down to the nitty-gritty at the end of the season, and listen, I, I've seen, I'm, I'm only saying this because I've seen Philly so many times this year, and you go on Twitter and they're getting hyped up. I mean, keep in mind, Philly's dropped to sixth in the East. Sixth in the East. Yeah, people had them as a shoe-in for first or second. They're ten and a half back of the Bucks. Now they're only three back of Miami in second, but but we know who the best team in the East is. It's not this not even close right now. Also, I mean, Milwaukee's got a seven and a half game lead on the Miami Heat. Holy bleep. They're by far the best team in the East. It's not even close. And then there's just a bundle of five teams sitting there, two through six. And then there's another huge drop-off between sixth and seventh. Orlando is six, actually, Orlando's seven and a half back of the 76ers in seventh. And Brooklyn is nine back in eighth. Brooklyn might not make the playoffs. Holy smokes. It's really wild how the East has shaped up this year. It really is. When you look, the Cavs, we saw we didn't think they'd be good. Washington, we didn't think they'd be good. The Knicks, we didn't think they'd be we didn't think they'd be that good. Detroit is hanging around. The Bulls are hanging around. Didn't expect that. The Bulls are, I think, four and a half back, five and a half back of a playoff spot. They're not going to get there. But the, excuse me, the fact that they're even hanging around is pretty remarkable. For the Chicago Bulls team. I know I'm going on a little bit of a tangent here, but Philly, sixth in the East. Uh, what is going on? I mean, Brett Brown's going to get fired. I mean, this is unbelievable. And every time I see them, they just don't play well. They just don't play well. I mean, the difference for the Sixers is this you look at the top five teams in the East, and they all do one thing somewhat well, if not really well, and that's win on the road. The Bucs are 18 and 4 on the road this season. Toronto's 14 and 7. They're almost as good on the road as they are at home. Boston's above 500 on the road. Indiana's above 500 on the road. 
The only team that isn't in the top five is Miami, and they're eleven and twelve, and they're twenty and one at home. Now, to be fair, Philadelphia is twenty and two at home, but they're nine and fifteen on the road. Holy smokes! It's one of the worst records in the East. Just for context, just for some context here, the Charlotte Hornets are fifteen and thirty. They're 8-16 and 16 on the road. They're one game worse on the road than the Sixers. Now they're 13 and a half games back of the Sixers, but keep, the, keep in mind, that team is garbage. Charlotte's terrible, and they're almost as good on the road as the Sixers are. Holy bleep. The Sixers are not good, man. Oh my gosh. When you're giving the Knicks a lifeline in a game, I, you're not good, man. Holy smokes. Let me dive into this now. We get, we had, a, you know, the Knicks won a game this week, which is great to see. They they went to Cleveland. And, you know, honestly, I think the scoreline might be a little flattering to the Knicks. I thought the, the, the Cavs relatively hung around in the game, uh, especially in the first half. It was really just one quarter where the Knicks separated themselves they played one of their best quarters of the season in the third quarter of this game and scoring margin were plus 16 in the third quarter and that was the difference now now, now the the real thing here to keep in mind the Knicks got a really balanced scoring attack in the game 106 86 was the final Knicks played better defensively I thought I thought Nilakina played one of one of his better defensive games of recent memory Taj Gibson played a lot better. Alfred Payton was phenomenal. I thought Reggie Bullock finally gave you some scoring. And Julius Randle and Marcus Morris had 19 apiece. So, so the starters did their job. Bobby Portis and Damian Dotson combined. Uh, I'll give you their, their regular number. 12 and 12 off the bench. As far as scoring, they each gave you five rebounds. Combined five assists. Four from Bobby Portis. And Mitchell Robinson, again, not a lot of scoring, but four blocks, six rebounds. Uh, didn't take any shots. Actually took one shot, made two free throws. That's concerning. However, you know, defensively was really good. And that was the difference in the game. One quarter was the difference, but I kind of, it was more than the, it, Knicks have only won 12 games, but it's one of the more underwhelming wins of the season, I would say. I remember, I remember the final buzzer going off and I was like, okay, they got the win. That, that was the thing. Now, again, 20 points is a huge margin. It just didn't feel like they were that dominant for, for much of the game. felt like Cleveland could have easily, you know, if they if they cleaned things up in that third quarter, it could have been a very different game. <laughs> Let's just say that. could have been a very different game if Cleveland didn't completely lay an egg in the third quarter. It kind of felt like the, the Cavs kind of fell asleep in the third and, and the Knicks were basically able to do whatever they want. Uh, now, to be fair, you know, Cleveland got a balanced scoring uh, game as well. I mean, t- you know, Tristan Thompson had a Kevin Love type game, 13 and 22 rebounds, including 10 offensive rebounds. Uh, Kevin Love was was pretty average, 12 and 9 uh, for him, not that great. And all 12 came from behind the arc. Um, and Colin Sexton, a kid that I thought the Knicks should take a while back, continues to be pretty underwhelming. Uh, to be fair, 17 points in this game, but on 20 shots, five rebounds, four assists, and four turnovers in the game. Larry Nance Jr. still somehow with the Cavs, 12 points, 10 rebounds. 
uh, the remnants of that championship team back in 2016 still there. Darius Garland, by the way, the, the Cavs pick from last year, had a really rough night. 4 of 20 from the field, 11 points, 3 assists, and 3 rebounds on the night, and not much else coming from the bench. I mean, the, Matthew Dellavedova, who's somehow a Cav, <laughs> 2 points in 13 minutes, 1 rebound, and 1 assist. Dante Exum, remember him? Remember Dante Exum? Remember when he was supposed to be a big deal? 25 minutes, 3 points, 1 assist, and 1 rebound. Holy bleep. This guy's fallen off the face of the the Australian point guard. The fact that he's even playing 25 minutes for the Cavs. I mean, holy crap. Just tells you where the Cavs are at. Exum was supposed to be the next big. He was kind of supposed to be the heir apparent to Ricky Rubio out in the Western Conference. And, you know, Ricky Rubio is still putting together some decent performances now and again. And Dante Exum has never really lifted off the ground. He really hasn't. And... It's kind of turned into an it kind of turned into an afterthought as far as uh you know as far as his NBA career. So it just, you know, Cleveland without LeBron James, NBA careers go to die, and that's that's one of the examples there. Knicks get the win, 106-86. And, you know, again, it, it, a win's a win kind of a game. I think I think even our guys, uh, our writers on the posting and toasting website kind of said that. As well, I, I kind of had the similar thought. I kind of had a similar. I, I, pardon me, I forget who who wrote the article. You know, let me let me find out so I can give them a shout out on the site. Um, if I can run through M Miranda, not sure who that is, but shout out to M Miranda, our guy on the site. Crazy picture on our site, posting and toasting Julius Randall getting clawed. Uh, that was pretty wild uh, in the game. I think that was by Colin Sexton, if memory serves. Uh, in that game, I, I kind of felt the same way. Wins a win. Knicks didn't play great. They had one good quarter. Other than that, it was pretty average. So I, I, I just kind of went from that. And was like, right, we'll take it. You know, we'll take it. We'll move on, and we'll go to the next game. And we went to the next game, and the next game wasn't good. Um, listen, I think the margin of victory doesn't tell you how good the Lakers are, and. This was a game I tried to get to, wasn't able to get to it because of work with college basketball stuff that's going on at this time of the year. Uh, by the way, if you're into college basketball, I host a college basketball podcast, Flagrantly Foul Podcast, on SoundCloud, Twitter, Instagram, or should I just say SoundCloud, uh, on Twitter and Instagram at the Foul Podcast. If you want to, if you're interested, uh, it's on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and TuneIn Radio. If you guys want to take a look at that podcast as well. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, I, I thought the Lakers really didn't break a sweat. 192 was the final. LeBron uh, was LeBron. Anthony Davis was Anthony Davis. Lakers kind of let the Knicks hang around for a lot of this game. It felt like the the Lakers never really got out of second gear. It kind of felt like they they kind of were almost taking a night off without taking a night off. You know, LeBron had 21, 6, 5, and 5, 5 steals. Uh, in the win, Anthony Davis had 28, five rebounds, five assists, two blocks, 13 of 13, by the way, for Anthony Davis from the free throw line. Uh, what a great pickup Dwight Howard's been uh, for the Lakers, have to say. Five points, but 12 rebounds, three blocks. I thought he had a solid 27 minutes. Uh, he's a guy that could really be huge uh, for the Lakers after he had a rough stint his first time with Kobe. Toward the end of Kobe's career, he's kind of helped LeBron and AD out in this uh, late surge or this, you know, this late 
uh, I should say the second go-around with LeBron in L.A. Other than that, you're not many notables for the Lakers. I thought Kyle Kuzma continues to be underwhelming for them. They might trade him at some point. Kyle Kuzma is kind of faded. Uh, no one's really talking about him anymore uh, as far as the national landscape in the NBA. He's kind of really, you know, having a rough year, I, I, I thought. You know, I've, I've had, I, th- I think I've watched three or four Laker games nationally before this game. Took play, you know, 13 points per game, four rebounds, one assist. It's pretty average for a guy that it was a first round pick back in 2017, and many thought could blossom into a really good player and kind of stay in status quo as far as his stats are concerned. He's three, he's already three points below his league average for his career this season, and Worse than that, I mean, when you start to really dive into his stats, it's pretty stagnant everywhere else. And, you know, part of that's probably his minutes are dropping. But, you know, I think it's rightfully so why they're dropping. He's not playing that well for LA. So that was, I remember watching the game thinking that was a little bit shocking to to see that against a bad team. You know, the other games I've seen, he's played good teams. This is, you know, rough, not, not, not maybe not rough, but 10 points on 10 shots. Seven rebounds and a couple of blocks. You get plus eight if you want to throw that in there. Not bad, but you know you would think he'd have a much bigger impact on this team, and he really doesn't. So I, I, I was a little, little surprised to see that. But clearly, you know this is this was a game that LeBron and AD carried the load. You know, Contavious Caldwell Pope was in double figures off the bench. The rest of that starting lineup though was not good. I mean, we we can kind of break that down and, and get into that. JaVale McGee, Avery Bradley, and Danny Green combined, combined for 13 points. Contavious Caldwell Pope at 13. So it was really all LeBron and AD. As far as the Knicks are concerned, going into the Knicks side of things in this game, you know, again, I thought Julius Randle was good, not great. You know, 16, 8, and 6 is good, but defensively was not very good, I thought, for a lot of the night and almost fouled out. Same with Marcus Morris, 20.6 rebounds, almost fouled out. Four turnovers. You know, and, and Alfred Payton had one of his uh, bad turnover games. Eight, eight points, nine assists, six rebounds, but five turnovers to lead the Knicks. Not great. And that was that was a little disappointing to see that. So, again, he, he, he had his normal good numbers, but he, he was turning the ball over at bad times. They ended up being pretty key turnovers in the game late on in the fourth quarter where the Lakers kind of were able to put the game to bed. Uh, Nilakina didn't give you a whole lot. Damian Dotson gave you 17 off the bench. Uh, really strong game for Mitchell Robinson. Only four points, but 12 rebounds and a block in 24 minutes. I thought that's I thought that was pretty strong from him. Five and five points apiece for Knox and Portis. And I thought that Reggie Bullock, you know, Re- Reggie Bullock is about his, oh yeah, uh, he he's he's got to make his. You know, I, I think with Reggie Bullock, I, I don't want to say he's always hot or cold in a game, but he's definitely inconsistent. And if he doesn't make his first or couple of shots, he's in for a long night. That's ten. That's ten, that tends to be what happens with Reggie Bullock. Remember the game I went to against Miami? He hit his first couple of shots, and even for a guy that you know. Is at the latter part of his career, you know, a guy that's also coming off of you know an injury during the offseason. He's he's now well, maybe not the latter part, 28 years old. It feels like he's been in the league a, a lot longer than that. 2013 first round pick. 
But but I feel like with Reggie Bullock, it's one of those things where, now to be fair, you know, if he doesn't play well, it could be the latter stage of his career, but he's, he's still a young guy is what I'm trying to say. It's one of those things where Reggie Bullock, I, I don't know, you, you obviously don't know what you're going to get from but it's almost like he's got to have that confidence from those first couple of shots, or you're not going to get anything from him, and he doesn't give you a whole lot else on the floor. So unless he's making shots, Reggie Bullock's not giving you a whole lot on the floor. So it's t- that's tough to see. And he's going to be gone probably at the end of this season. He's, he's probably the most expendable of these expendable contracts. And I could easily see him being one of the first to go. So it's one of those things where, you know, he's got to start making shots more consistently. Or, or the Knicks, I mean, they might do it anyway. But they're probably going to give him the heave home maybe even before we get to the off season, so it's one of those things where you know, there's there's so many one dimensional guys on this Nick team besides the you know the main contributors. It's tough, and in a game like this where the Lakers barely broke a sweat, the Knicks lose by eight, and and the losing stretch continues after a nice stretch, kind of at the beginning of uh, January, end of December, early January. The Knicks have now lost. Again, we're, we're, we're reverberating back to the David Fisdale uh, kind of numbers that you guys like to throw in my face every once in a while. But, you know, you look at the last, let me count it up here, 11 games? Knicks have lost 9 of their last 11. And the wins came, the Miami game, which I was fortunate enough to be at, and this win at Cleveland. So, you know, Mike Miller has got a lot on his plate right now, and and this takes me to the next segment. You know, the Knicks have got to have a plan after this because this is clearly not working. Clearly not working. And with who's coming up, I mean, listen, these are winnable games, but it's not going to get easier, not going to get better for the Knicks. It's just not. It's just not. Let me take a break here. Coaching search and Nick News after the other after on the other side of this break. We'll dive into the future of Mike Miller. Does this shortlist mean anything? When it comes to the Knicks, and we'll look at some of the other Nick news, trade rumors, and stuff, stuff like that from around the league. After this, on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network, this is the Shock Jock Knicks Podcast. Mike Miller. Everyone was loving Mike Miller for a little bit, weren't they? They were loving him. He was winning more games than Fisdale. He's on this great run. He's doing great. Look at the big picture here. I, I Look at the big picture. This is not a whole lot better than what David Fisdale gave the Knicks. I keep saying that. You guys don't like hearing it. It's the truth. It's the truth. Nine of the last 11 have been losses. It's getting bad. It's going to get worse. Toronto next. Brooklyn next. Charlotte on the road. Memphis. Indiana on the road. Cleveland on the road. Orlando. Detroit. Atlanta. The latter two on the road before it gets even tougher in the late February, early March. What are the Knicks doing? I, I I don't know why they're keeping Mike Miller in this spot. He's not doing a whole lot better than David Fisdale. He's got eight wins. I get that. But he's he's gonna get to it's gonna get to the point where just look at the big picture. Nine of the last eleven have been losses. Not a lot of the games have been close. And, and, and it's getting very, cl- very or eerily close to the David Fisdale era. It, it, it's getting very close to getting right back to where we started again with this Nick team. 
And my only question is this. Do the Knicks have any plan for who's going to be the next head coach? You can't keep telling me that Mike Miller is going to finish the season. He It can't happen. Big picture. Because, you know, you look at small... Oh, you know, the Knicks beat the Cavs. They beat the Heat. They had that three-game winning streak. He's got eight wins. Fizdale only had four wins. Whatever, whatever the number, whatever numbers you want to throw at me. The Knicks are still losing games like they did under Fizdale. In very eerily similar manners in a lot of ways. It's the same team in a lot of ways. Now, personnel's been changed around. Guys have different roles. And at, and at moments, I did I have liked what I've seen. But it's one of those things where in the big picture, it doesn't really matter if I like what I see in these little moments. You need to have the long-term outlook here. Short-term, it's going to be misery for the Knicks this season. They're going to win more games than they did last year. There's no question about that. The Knicks will improve on the 17 win mark from last year. Whoop-de-doo. But they're not going to touch 30 wins at this rate. And I'll tell you what. It's going to get to the point where you're not going to love what you're seeing out of Mike Miller and his staff, and you're going to be looking and say, well, what are the Knicks doing as far as the head coach? The answer is I don't think they're doing a whole lot right now. And if they are, it's not showing. This short list with Van Gundy and Jackson and Thibodeau is the only thing Nick fans have to hold on to right now and I, it's as far away. It feels as far away as KD in the end was of coming to the Knicks. Which, if you look at the recent reports, not that close. His agent was on the Michael K show a little while back. They weren't that close to coming to the Knicks, as it, as it once seemed. Something's got to change, and it's it's unbelievable. How it's come to this where we're fine with Mike Miller lasting the season. I mean, are you kidding me? What? what, what you playing a joke on me right now? What, what are we talking about? you got to find a new head coach. He's not going to be the long-term guy. Maybe not even for this season. If the Knicks keep playing like this, you got to get rid of him ASAP. A-S-A-P. Get rid of him. This is big picture Sean talking here. You've got to be looking down the road. And that leads me into some of these other rumors, these trade rumors that are going on around the Knicks right now. Bleacher Report today, as I'm recording the podcast, looking through this, I I mean, apparently the Knicks are looking at Malik Monk uh, ahead of the trade deadline. Um... Oh, boy. I mean, I'm just looking through some of these notes from Ian Begley. Does a great job covering the Knicks. And, you know, I I get it. The Knicks want a starter-level player. But they don't want to get... Apparently, according to Begley, they don't want to get get rid of Barrett, Robinson, and Knox. Fair enough. However, I do like what I see out of Monk. I, I, he's 21 years old. Numbers are a little low. 8 points, two, 2.6 rebounds, 2 assists per game. They're slightly up. 
I believe, let me look back at this. Yeah, they're slightly up between season one, I guess, and season two. But the thing is, you know, with Malik Monk, not a great three-point shooter. 25.2% from behind the arc, averaging three and a half threes a game. Not great. And that really takes a toll on his offensive efficiency. It's 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 the truth. And Malik Monk's a kid that listen has always plays with a chip on his shoulder. Remember, remember him at Kentucky. You know, not the best outside shooter, but he's a big shot maker. He made some big shots not only during his college career but his NBA career as well. I can see the Knicks looking at Monk as a good option. But again, I said this on the last show. The Knicks need picks. The Knicks need picks. I get that you want to bolster the roster. I'd, and I'd, I'd say that Malik Monk is an upgrade. Ever so slightly, I, I guess I would say. But but here's the deal. The Knicks need draft picks. Draft picks are more important at this stage of the game. Especially for who the Knicks are thinking about trading, according to reports. You need picks. And in my opinion, if you can get a couple of second-round picks, there are a lot of good guards late in this draft, potentially, who can really turn things around and be very interesting as far as options for the Knicks. I want to get into a little... I mean, Nilakina came out earlier this week and said something interesting as well. And... Or it actually didn't say it, I should say. The headline is a little misleading here on CBSSports.com. But you look at his numbers over the last couple of games. And listen, the, the, the article basically is speaking to me here. It's getting to the point where Frank Nilakina offensively is becoming a liability again on the court. And it, it really worries me. With what the way the Knicks handled his contract earlier this season, back in October, you know these are not the guys the Knicks should be hanging their hat on. They're just not the guys. And I get this kid was a top ten pick. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. He's shown signs defensively, not consistently enough, and offensively at times he's just been awful, just terrible. And yet he, he he dunks over somebody, or he does he does a little move, or he finds a nice pass, or makes a shot every once in a while, and I get it thrown back in my face. Everyone's loving what's going on with Frank Nilakina. And at times this season he has been a bright spot, but not a, not nearly enough, not nearly enough. And I go back to what I said back in September: don't give this guy another year. He should be looking to earn it this year. And then if you like what you see, in free agency, try to woo him back. But but you give him the extra year, and look what he's doing. I mean, look what he's doing now. I don't know if he's too comfortable. I don't know if he's not just not, just not talented enough. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I like to think he's always putting the work in. It looks like he is. I don't like to always. I, that's something I don't always like to dive into because you never know somebody's intent. It's tough to tell. But but reports all off season were how well he was playing with France and how hard he was working, getting ready for the season. And again, at times he's shown the improvements, but it hasn't been enough 
for me to say, yeah, let's keep this guy. When Alfred Payton has completely took, took him out of the starter's role, he's done nothing on the bench in a lot of games. And he's offensively, it's like they're playing four on five with him on the floor at times. It really is. He just doesn't do enough on the offensive end of the floor. The Marcus Morris trade rumors are very interesting. According to Bleacher Report, multiple contenders, uh, including, uh, and also including SNY's Ian Begley, I should say, off of Bleacher Report, multiple contenders are looking at Marcus Morris. This is this is the trade that has to happen. The Knicks have to get something for Marcus Morris. And I mentioned I've mentioned this so many times before. This trade has to get done. His numbers are not going to be this good next year. This is the perfect time to get something for him. Picks, a player, both, something. Get something for this guy. You have to do it. Now, it doesn't mention who the contenders are, so I can't dive into who the Knicks could get, depending on the team that's involved, because there's no teams mentioned in the report. However, the Knicks have to do something here. They have to pull the trigger. They have to. They, They have to. Big picture, you have to do it. Marcus Morris will be free to leave and go wherever he wants at the end of this season. You only have him on a one-year deal. You got to do it. Pull the trigger. It's it's the biggest chip the Knicks have. I mean, it's it's not that hard to figure it out. And, And here's the deal. You're talking about being better next year? Marcus Morris is not part of that plan, clearly. And the Knicks have to make a lot of roster moves if they want to be any competitive next year. It's. It comes down to this big picture. As good as Marcus Morris's numbers have been, they haven't led to enough wins where Knicks fans and or Nick Brass could say, "Let's keep him for another year." But they're good enough where other teams are looking around like, "Hey, this guy could be the piece we're looking for to help us get over the line in the NBA playoffs or help us get into the NBA playoffs." Or help us maybe win a championship. And that is a huge plus for the Knicks to have here. It really was maybe the best move the Knicks made this offseason. Looking back on it now. Because listen, KD and Kyrie go to the Nets. The Knicks had to do something, but they had to be smart. And this is the part of the plan that is that this is the reason why you gave yourself a little bit of a failsafe here short contracts because now despite morris's you know expiring contract maybe leading to a lesser return maybe but if you're looking at if you can get a player here that's worth swapping or again my idea here a first-round pick, maybe a late first-round pick, or maybe a couple of second-round picks. Now we're talking. And Marcus Morris is the only player on this Nick roster that's going to get you multiple picks. The Knicks have to do this deal. They have to do it. They'd be stupid. They'd be absolutely out of their minds 
not to do this deal. Now, they got to be careful here. They need the right deal. But clearly, multiple teams are interested. Ian Begley knows what the bleep he's doing. This is a very good sign for the Knicks. It is. But they got to make the most of it. I Do I want to dive into... I'll give you a little Dennis Smith note on my way out here. This is from earlier today. This is getting out of hand as far as I'm concerned. Now listen, it's tough. Smith's had a tough year. Dennis Smith Jr. has had a really rough year. You look at his family situation, lost a member of his family. He's been dealing with injuries. He's been out with an oblique. And against the Lakers, he played four minutes and shot two shots. Didn't make either one of them. And had a rebound. First game back from a 13 game absence. With an oblique strain. I mean. I mean, I didn't even mention it. When we look back at the game. Because I, I, I don't even remember a lot of the stuff with him. That happened. Barely played. But it's one of those things where. He's fallen to the third man on the depth chart. And I mentioned this earlier this year. That this was a possibility. But obviously these were unforeseen circumstances. Nobody could have no one could have seen that a member of his family was going to pass away. No one could have seen that he was going to be you know, a guy so young was going to be dealing with this many problems with injuries in this season, especially the oblique strain specifically. But it's one of those things where the Knicks are stuck with Dennis Smith Jr. for the time being. And this one was tough to avoid because of how young he is. And I remember this. I remember saying this when we were talking about Dennis Smith Jr. in trades. I think on the last show or the show before that, you know, this kid's 22 years old. So much time potentially left in his NBA career, and it's so tough to just say, "Yeah, we're we're not going to buy in and we're going to trade him." The Knicks had to see what they have for a full season with him, and now they're stuck with him because he's been hurt. Is he there mentally? You can argue that. I don't know. It's tough. It's so tough. Guys handle that kind of stuff differently. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where grief, especially when you're that level in sports, you hear guys, I mean, just recently, last couple of years, Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan and other NBA players have talked about mental health and you know, Dennis Smith Jr., we have no idea, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I'd give him the benefit of the doubt if he was going through a tough time as far, I mean, he just lost a member of his family, and now he's going through injuries, not playing the game that he loves, it's, it's a legitimate excuse, but it's now, you know, business-wise, and this is a tough, this is a tough asset to deal with if you're the Knicks, you don't know quite what you have in him, you don't know where his head's at, and he's hurt. And now he's trying to kind of get back into the groove. And we don't know what he's going to bring to the table. So he's tough. You can't trade him. I mean, no one's going to take him in this state. And, and rightfully so, just because it's it's tough right now. I mean, someone might take a chance on him. But to, you know, to have him move, you know, I, I, I could see, see an NBA team right now thinking, you know, I, he's, now we have to, he has to move to our city. He's got to move his family here potentially. And we don't know what we're going to get out of him. I mean, that's that's a huge risk. Change of scenery in these situations doesn't always help. Depends on the guy. So for right now, that, that's a situation where the Knicks are kind of stuck. 
but there's a, there's a lot to work with as far as a trade with Marcus Morris. And then, again, I'll leave you on this. Knicks better figure out this coaching situation because if they don't, this plan is that's still barely being executed is going to go up in smoke. Can the Knicks figure it out? That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Shock Jock Knicks podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening. Make sure to hit me up on Twitter with any of your questions, at SHJ7 on Twitter. I'm hoping to have a mailbag, another another Ask SSJ in the near future. Um, I'd love to get some questions for that. If you guys are willing to send those in, that'd be fantastic. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. 30 episodes in the books. The thousands, tens of thousands of you that have listened to the show. Uh, You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for tuning in every week. Thanks so much for loving your Knicks through thick and thin. And we will see you guys next week and next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Have a great weekend.